And so today's topic of the week is the enormous blockbuster, the biggest film of the year. Biggest Aven- film of the year. Biggest film, Avengers: Infinity War. Oh man, Infinity War! What a what a time to be alive. Uh, Twenty eighteen being what it is. Uh, Infinity War. I've been waiting for this for a long time. Uh, yeah, I was really excited to see it. The the end of the Marvel Cinematic Universe as we know it. Incredible, and to be honest, I feel it did deliver on a lot of its promises, and it did give us the conclusion we really wanted. Yeah, I mean, it's. Yeah, Wait, oh. Robin. <laughs> Robin, is this? You feel? You feel something? You're turning to dust. I feel. I feel okay, Mr. Stark. I don't. I don't want to go. No. <laughs> I'm being turned to dust. weird. Fucking hell. That feels like the worst hangover I've ever had. Yeah, I feel pretty goddamn rough, dude. Christ. Did we just get Thanos snapped? I think we may have been Thanos snapped. That's a, that's a very convenient plot device to explain why we haven't recorded a podcast in roughly two years. I hope Segway Mutant recorded Game of Thrones. I was really looking forward to that final season. How could they possibly have fucked that up? Six and a half hours later. Oh, no. Uh, oh dear. Um, have we been snapped into an alternate reality where Game of Thrones sucks now, or is this really how it ended? I'm gonna go with the alternate reality because I think that that's a less sad world to live in. They couldn't possibly have ruined it that badly in this in our original reality. In such a fast space span of episodes, they just threw away everything kind of that they were building up to very quickly and I think that's the conversation about Game of Thrones now concluded yeah it's uh, we've since discovered it's been quite a few months since uh, Game of Thrones finished so you've all got your opinions on it you don't really need our hot take uh, but if anything if you if you really want to know wow <laughs> I, I would say don't go outside or don't stay inside for that get get Thanos snapped out of existence so you miss the catastrophe that was the final season of Game of Thrones. Um, shall we shall, shall we move on to some contemporaneous media that we can discuss? Uh, yeah, welcome back to the Don't Go Outside podcast, ladies and boys. We have been gone for quite a while and we did consider talking about all of the things that happened during the course of our brief hiatus brief meaning two years but instead we thought we would just jump straight back in just get on with it just just get into just, it just i mean there's basically my list of things i want to talk about is just 
more of a highlight reel of things I've enjoyed from the past couple of years. Um, like, rather than our usual format is where we talk about more recent stuff. Uh, we're just trying to get back into the old podcast swing of things. And there's some things I got into that I was quite excited about. Some things that I'm kind of annoyed at. And um, some things that I think you'll like too. That sounds good. I'm excited because I've only got v- very recent stuff down. Okay. So it's nice that you're giving a a perspective mm. of, of some previous media. Just uh, just an overall round roundup of what I like, things I like. Well, do you want to jump into it? What do you want to talk about? Well, first, I'd like to talk about. I mean, usually you're you're the you're the the literate one of the two of us. You're all about all about them books. Uh, I recently discovered that you can read books without having to actually read them. Uh, with a handy little friend I have called Audible. Still not a sponsor. No, still not a sponsor. That sounded like a great sponsorship lead in. Uh, it, it did, but if anyone from Audible's listening, I can uh, I can do that for money. Uh, but no, I've been just kicking the hell out of some Audible oh, yeah. books. Um, so I think as as we do more of these, I'll just do my like my pick of the week for books that I've enjoyed. Are we are we honestly opening the podcast, the the comeback to the podcast with a Robin's book club? Well, no, now it's Pat Patchy's book club. <laughs> oh, Patchy's, are you are you taking the book club? Oh, from me? well, I mean, the, the the room was empty. I got back there first. Okay. Um, and rather than uh, yeah, I just had Segway Mutant read a few books to me. Right, talk to me. What what have you been listening to? Uh, so I completed uh the red rising trilogy oh which is very 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 good uh it's a science fiction series about a boy named daryl who lives on mars as part of like a mining colony and they're preparing mars they're getting mars ready for the human race to come and settle it um he is uh, ruled over by a class of uh, essentially golden gods. They're known as the Golds. His it's all about different class systems. So he's the Reds. He's with the Reds, and then the Golds lord it over them. Say so you're doing very well. We're going to pit you against each other, make you compete, so that you work harder. To, we're going to keep you distracted, so you don't discover that on the surface of Mars, uh, humans have been living there for about four hundred years already. Um, which Daryl discovers. It's not a big spoiler, that's just kind of the whole premise of the book. He discovers that, that humankind has settled Mars for centuries already, and uh, his people have been kept subjugated under the ground as uh, miners. So then he joins a... He doesn't join a gang, he joins the rebellion called mm-hmm. the Sons of Ares, and they disguise him as a gold. Uh, now, the golds are very physically a lot bigger and more powerful than the red, so he undergoes a lot of very uh severe uh like bodily body reconstruction it's quite cyberpunk in a way it's like a sort of cyberpunk hunger games mm. uh with a bit of like ancient roman uh legend thrown in there as well it's all kind of like all the all the goals like uh yeah they they uh they idolize uh the they idolize ancient roman culture um which is kind of where the book takes a lot, of, a lot of its uh, mythology. It's set kind of in, in our universe, just thousands of years into the future. Uh, it's really, really good. It's a three book series, um, and as I said, sci fi is not usually my thing, but I bloody loved it. It's really mm. well written. Uh, Darrow's just a very angry, 
young man who's disguised as a gold. He makes some gold friends along the way, and he spends a lot of the time trying to hide his hide his true identity from people that he falls in love with, people he makes good friends with, and he's always worried about. There's always this feeling of his um, of his family being threatened, but mm. uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's just good. It's just a good old sort of revolution story. I'm getting a lot of red faction vibes here. Red faction as well. Yeah, it's a bit. It's a bit red faction. Uh, red yeah. faction, like, because I mean that 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 hit off a lot of the same things. Because mm. um, I believe that red faction was set uh, with an underclass of suppressed workers who were there terraforming Mars for when the new race of humans came. Uh, yeah, it's been a while since I've played a red faction game, but yeah, I think it's. Quite similar themes. Mm. It's uh, not, I mean, not wholly an original idea because, as I said, it does feel very much like the Hunger Games. At least the first book feels very Hunger Games. He goes to, he basically joins the academy, which, uh, which is, which is a big battlefield at the foot of Olympus Mons on Mars, where he's put in like lots of different houses. I guess very Game of Thrones, and uh, they're all school kids, school age, and they basically have to war it out with each other and the better you do in the academy the better you do in your adult life you'll uh, have massive fleets of ships you'll command huge armies all the different like classes of humans have their own characteristics like the viking people are known as the obsidians they're like the scariest kind of humans out there they're massive eight foot tall just built like a brick shit house they just go around like they just believe that they are like Vikings and the golds are their gods that have that have saved them from their like frozen wasteland on Pluto where again that's just the golds <coughs> telling them that just telling them that to keep them suppressed down. yeah uh, so it's really interesting it's, it's, a, it's a really good series Red Rising uh, is the first book in the Red Rising trilogy I recommend it right if you can if you want to read something awesome that's that's that, that sounds like a good old fun piece of media mm-hmm. um, I've not listened to it in, well actually I have listened to some fiction on audiobook recently which was Brave New World so quite the opposite um, okay, some yeah. classic Huxley dystopian future it's a book I've still never read um, I would day. highly recommend it but you know what man I read it and one of the characters in it is this dude called The Savage and he's just been brought into you know modern life but oh my god like I couldn't just, I couldn't help but think, God, this guy's the first incel. Now, <laughs> okay. Honest, like, uh, there's one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Serious. So, like, this this dude, he's, like, lived up, he's never, he's never been with a girl. He's, like, lived in, um, basically squalor his whole life, never had any modern amenities, and he gets brought into modernity. And then there's one girl who's very interested in him and all she wants to be is be with him. And then he's just like, oh, you're coming on to me too easily. That means I lose respect for you. I don't want to be with you. And then it attacks her with a belt. It's, wow. It's like, honestly, I was like, wow, this guy is the first incel. The first, <laughs> the original incel. Yeah, man. It's like it, weird allegories with that. Okay. But yeah, oh, Brave New World, just just an incredible time, incredible book. Had a lot of to have a lot of time for it. I mean, I like all that classic classic dystopian future, you know. Yeah. But I mean, uh, this is clearly age-old literature. Shall we? Shall we jump into something that's more contemporary? 
You mean like a video game? Well, I was actually going to just do like, uh, I was going to inject a new a new section. Uh, okay, another, yet another section. Okay, what what is it? Rab's meme review. <laughs> meme review? A meme review. This is going to be like, yeah, sure, fine. I just feel it's a, it's a segment that will date really quickly. Uh, By the well, time the episode comes out, it'll, it'll be already dated. be dead. Okay, we can cut the meme review. I was just going to No, talk. but you can, you can do it. By all means, do it. I was going to talk about Garfield. Okay. Um, do it. I just uh, I've been loving I've been loving this this series of memes that's come out of like surreal horror Garfield I've, of Garfield being a Lovecraftian entity. I'm unfamiliar. Uh, it's just it's like just a really weird blip of meme meme culture. Don't know where it came from. Don't know why it's uh, it's going to disappear soon enough. Yeah. But <laughs> I've been enjoying the heck out of that. I mean, Garfield's enjoyed some uh, a bit of a renewed popularity on the old internet, I guess, thanks to, and partly thanks to Garfield without Garfield. Have you ever seen this? No. So a, a there was a Tumblr uh, account called Garfield without Garfield, and this guy just went through, I don't think every Garfield strip, but a lot of Garfield strips just editing out Garfield. <laughs> So it just came across as uh, John Arbuckle's slow decline into insanity as he just talked to himself and things went wrong around him. But wow. Garfield wasn't present for any of it. And eventually this got made into a book, Garfield without Garfield. And uh, Jim Davis himself has given it his uh, his blessing. Wow. Yeah, he said this is pretty good. Uh, also, uh, YouTube channel Lasagna Cat can highly recommend. It's just bizarre <laughs> I love it though so it seems like there's a lot of surreal stuff attached to Garfield for some strange reason apparently in canon Gar- like Jim Davis Garfield canon apparently he's he's dead or I think maybe John and Odie both died a long time ago and it's just Garfield now hmm. top 10 weird things about Garfield that I've you know it could become BuzzFeed but no. yes. You know, let's not become BuzzFeed, shall we? Uh, unless they want to pay us, then uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yes, okay, so you had a game. Do you want to talk about a game? Yeah, I'm sticking with uh, with the red theme. Oh? Because uh, I finally played Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, talk uh, to me. It's only been out for about a year. I think it's been out almost exactly a year now, mm. and I finally got it. Uh, holy, holy, holy hell. What a game. Weirdly, it's Red Dead Redemption 2. It's, but it's a prequel to the first Red Dead Redemption, okay. which is, which could could be confusing for those unfamiliar with the series who never played the original. Uh, but it does just builds and expands on everything that the original had. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very beautiful. Looks really really nice. Yeah. Uh, the main character is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arthur is it the same? Morgan. It's different. Different main character. Different main character, but the but uh, John Marston is in it uh, in Red Dead Redemption. The first, uh, you play as John Marston, and he's tracking down his former gang members, mm-hmm. and eventually, uh, with the eventual goal of finding Dutch Vanderland, who used to be like the head of his gang. Um, so in this game, you are in Dutch Vanderland's gang, and it's kind of just it is for all intents and purposes a prequel to the first one. It kind of explains how badly things went in Dutch's gang and how things got ended up the way they were in Red Dead Redemption One. Uh, but it's massive. It's just a massive, massive game. I think I've spoken on this podcast before about what one of my problems with open world games. Uh, 
that have a very tight story is that often there's so many different things to do that you just miss out on if you're like me and I, you just want to kind of role play as the character going through the story you feel like well I wouldn't go off into the mountains because I feel like Arthur Morgan would just want to figure out what the hell's going on um you know like oh we've got to we've got to rob this bank but first I'm going to go off into the mountains for a week and hunt a hunt a legendary wolf <laughs> and pick some flowers but that's all amazing that's all really really good fun and there is the opportunity to do that once the game finishes so I've been kind of mopping up all the loose ends at the end of the game, just yeah. uh, get, getting those pelts. You can. There's a lot more uh, element of just playing cowboy dress up. Just get yourself the perfect cowboy suit, like in Westworld, where they where you enter Westworld and there's the lady there and she's like, "Here, look at all these cowboy things. What do you want to wear?" It's a bit like that. But then you can also all the legendary animals. You can craft craft things out of their pelts. You can go around as a mad mental man in a bear suit with a big scary bear head on your face wow um i mean that's and then there's horses as well like training horses you can you can take horses from the wild and train them up and you get really attached to them and then the horses die and you get really upset because you spent like three hours with this imaginary horse that you reared from a from a little chick (laughs) (laughs) i don't think it's chick I think it's maybe full. Raised, raised it from a little egg, and they, you know, hatched it into a little baby full. You heard then, it here first. Uh, horses come from eggs. Horses, I mean, things are mad in the post-apocalypse. Horses are part chicken. Well, I mean, out there. That's why they taste so good. Yeah, horse chicken. I think Fanny Beasts has a special on horse chicken. Horse chicken. Mm. Um, yeah, so Red Dead Redemption is yep. very, very good. I really enjoyed it. I've been playing the heck out of it. You think the story is going to keep finishing, but every time something massive happens, you're like, "This must be the end." No, I just keep going. <laughs> it's a bit Lord of the Rings in that sense, but it's <laughs> but like it's just it's just good. It's just a good old time. Mm. Love it. I am just with you saying open world games. I am considering because I'm considering the next gen console because I believe the new Elder Scrolls is going to be for next gen, not for this gen. Mm-hmm. Am I correct in that? Uh, you could be. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, because, oh man, I'm, I'm hella excited. Thinking about that next gen. Well, there's a bunch of PlayStation uh, speculation and rumours. The PS5 may be getting announced this year. Ooh. Well, this year? No, nah, 20... E3 2020 may be getting announced. Uh, but... No, I don't know if I'd hold up, hold out much hope for Elder Scrolls uh, Six because Bethesda have recently been acting like a bunch of fools. Mm. Uh, did you hear they're charging a hundred dollar a year subscription for Fallout Seventy Six? Fallout, what? Do you know about this? No, you never heard about this. No, Fallout Seventy Six kind of passed me by because it like it came out and then I was like, that looks that looks like total garbage. It's I'm a gonna, train wreck of a game. <laughs> I'm gonna leave that alone. Yeah, and uh, Bethesda heard your concern. <laughs> right. and they were like, well, what about if uh, you pay a hundred dollars a month and uh, and you get more game for your buck? Uh, you'll wow. get private servers. You'll get infinite like loot storage. Uh, but the private servers aren't private. People could just find your server and boop, log on, and the infinite storage just deletes some of your items that you worked so hard to get. Uh, so a hundred dollars a year, folks. Um, yeah, Bethesda are um, not doing so well. They're not doing so hot. Mm, but like, I don't know. Maybe this is like let let's maybe maybe we can hope that 
76 was so bad because they put all their talent onto the new Elder Scrolls. Well, I'm hoping that Fallout 76 is really was a wake-up call for them because I think they were resting on their laurels for a long time. Old Bethesda, their all their games have been using the same engine since the Xbox 360. Yeah. Um, and that was that came out in 20 2007 I think the 360 came out maybe mm-hmm. before then and it's now 2019 they're using the same engine for Fallout 76 and uh, they were just like well we're Bethesda people love our stories we can just do whatever we want but then with Fallout 76 people were like no your games are buggy and they're shit and uh, when you release a game with no content it's really important for your games not to be buggy and terrible so um, so I think hopefully I've been being a little humbled but at E3 this year Todd Howard wasn't he was just like oh sorry whoops and everyone was a bit like okay we, we don't think they're going to make any changes um, yeah can we keep talking about video game controversy uh, well I, I think I know what we're going to go on to but yes please fire away uh, I mean we could talk about Blizzard that's exactly what I thought you were going to talk about yeah because BlizzCon's happening now it's, oh god it is it's happening as we speak yeah so by the time this comes out BlizzCon will have happened um, and Blizzard are trying very desperately to regain some public approval because they made a boo-boo they made a they made a big boo-boo. A big old boo-boo uh, in the form of supporting the Chinese government in a time of incredible strife between China and Hong Kong. Um, weirdly, I'm in a position where I'm not entirely sure of the specific details of why Hong Kong are protesting against China. Um, I'll give you the real, real, um, the, the real crib notes here. Okay, so Britain uh, had a 100-year lease over Hong Kong with China. Which oh, I know this. That the UK owns Hong Kong. This was passed over in recent history, ninety-eight, I something think. like that. Now, as a result, during this the course since ninety-eight, um, China has been in putting taking more and more control from Hong Kong. However, Hong Kong's always maintained a level of sovereignty because it acts as a special economic zone, because this is one of the only places that China can trade financially with the rest of the world. Because so, it's technically a communist country. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So Hong Kong holds a bit of a strangle grip over China. Now, what's happened now is that China is trying to put a bill into Hong Kong, an extradition bill, which means that China can force Hong Kong to extradite Hong Kong citizens into China. Oh, yes. No, I think I did. Um, yeah. And that gives China an enormous amount of power over Hong Kong. That's what they're kicking off about. Sure. Well, that's understandable. How does Blizzard fit into this? You can you tell me. So Blizzard have made a ge- made a game called Hearthstone. It's very good, very big on the competitive gaming scene. Um, and recently, a Hong Kong based Hearthstone player won a contest. And in his speech, he uh, donned a gas mask and uh, proclaimed, uh, "Liberate Hong Kong, revolution of our time." I think that's their tagline. Yep. Uh, and uh, Blizzard kind of had a little panic. Uh, I should probably say Activision Blizzard, because I think Activision are kind of the bigger power behind everything Blizzard does. So Activision Blizzard sort of panicked and uh, shut them down. They said, we're going to ban you from playing Hearthstone, we're going to take away your prize money, because uh, you can't get political on the gaming scene. Which is fair enough. They do state that 
they don't really allow any kind of politics in their game contest. It is, is part of the T's and C's. Which is part of their T's and C's, which is fair, but it's like... I mean, he's speaking out against an oppressive regime. Uh, so in doing this, Blizzard have kind of put themselves in a position where they appear to support the Chinese government over Hong Kong. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, gamers and people other than gamers, people like have taken notice. This this made actual news. Uh, I believe some US congressmen like told off Blizzard and were like, you can't do that. As far as I understand, they have received letters from Congress and the Senate Mm-hmm. decrying their behaviour. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, it's ridiculous. But they're not the only organisation to have done this. I think the NBA got in a bit of hot water for doing something similar. Uh, but yes, which leads us to BlizzCon this weekend. Um, BlizzCon is the annual Blizzard uh, convention where they often unveil new games. Uh, they announce additional stuff for current games that are out. People come and celebrate Blizzard's work because they're a very popular gaming company. They've had a lot of very good projects in the past. Overwatch, one of my favourite games of the past few years. Blizzard. World of Warcraft. Blizzard make good games. They make good, decent, solid games, but they're also now starting to show their shady colours. Um, so yeah, people were protesting outside BlizzCon, uh, doing Hong Kong protests. Uh, the CEO of Blizzard uh, made a very vague apology in his opening speech that didn't really cover kind of what happened. He just sort of said a general, "I'm sorry, we've not been very good this past this past month or so, but we're going to try and do better." He didn't really direct. He didn't directly acknowledge China, Hong Kong, uh, Hearthstone. He didn't acknowledge Blitzchung, who was the player that they banned from playing Hearthstone, um, which is kind of like. I don't know, it's difficult, because as someone who does love Blizzard games, I find myself in a very weird position where I'm where they've announced Overwatch 2, and I'm very excited, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know if I want to support Blizzard well, anymore. here's the thing, and this is, this is what, basically, I mean, I'm going to say consumers in general, but I'm going to, I'm going to focus on, on, on gamers of the world because it tends to be like gamers of the world listen up and listen listen up guys you get i'm gonna hit you with some realness they seem to be a population of fans that are completely happy to decry the behavior of a company and then immediately buy their product now blizzard are going to look at it one way blizzard activision and that's the fact that they will continue to not not say anything against the Chinese government and continue to ban players as long as their balance sheet says that they won't actually lose that many players or buyers from the market outside of China, which will almost definitely happen. Um, Yeah, I mean, gamers were distracted by shiny things very easily. Um, There's Every couple months there's a new outrage and then every couple of months, something else comes up that pushes that out of the way, and everyone seems to forget it, which is a shame. There's always bad stuff happening. Like, well, with Red Dead Redemption Two, there was all this controversy over over crunch periods and people working hundred hour weeks just to get a get a video game out on time, which is not good. No one should ever be working that many hours ever. Um, and uh, I believe there are movements in the gaming industry to kind of curb that a little bit 
but yeah, um, Rockstar came under fire for it. Um, who else came with the Epic? Who, Epic Games, who make Fortnite, came under fire for it. Many other studios. Uh, but it's, that was at the maybe the beginning of the year, and it all seems to have been forgotten a little bit now. Telltale Games, one of my favorite development studios. They were apparently notorious for putting people through periods of crunch to get their buggy, unfinished games out on time. As much as I loved their games, they didn't really work too well. Um, but you know what I mean? It's weird, isn't it? I know. Well, you know what? This is this is is this is my belief in Robin's indie darlings. This is why I like indie games. You know, buy local, buy organic, buy indie games. Indie darlings. Uh, have you got one? I may have an indie darling to talk about. Well, let's cap this off first. Um, because what bothered me is I was actually considering going back to Warcraft Classic, reliving yeah. it again. You know, giving it giving it the good old college try, but then it, this this whole thing came up and I was like, ah, they're baddies. Yeah, I'm not villains. giving them money. This is an urgent announcement from the Wasteland Banking Society. As of the twentieth of October. Bottle caps will no longer be the universal currency of the wasteland as a result of a lengthy legal process and battle with Bethesda. Now the accepted currency will be Funko Pops, the small plastic figurines with no other use that have been discarded and clogging the ocean for many, many years. Funko Pops are worth one cap. One Funko Pop is the unit of currency. Deadpool Funko Pops are 0.25 of currency. Golden Funko Pops are worth two currency. Currently, the Funko Pop or FP index is directly tied to the cap index, as this will be a transferable currency over the next two years. Following this, bottle caps will be worth about as much as Funko Pops are worth in the year 2020. I.e. nothing. (laughs) They are only worth as much as you idiots make them out to be. Stop buying Funko Pops. You are causing an inflation in the market that is sure to crash. Goodbye. (laughs) What indie darling do you have? I've been playing two indie darlings from the past year. Uh, Usually on this podcast I kind of give indie games very short shrift uh, because I'm cynical like that. Uh, But uh, having obtained a Nintendo Switch the past couple of years, it's the perfect platform to play indies on. Uh, one of those was Katana Zero, oh. which uh, is just oh magnifique, so so. Good. Have you played it? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh-huh. Um, but I have. I've 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 watched some let play, let's plays. I've been keeping an eye on Katana Zero. Yeah, Katana Zero is a beautiful little game, uh, sort of cyberpunk ish. Uh, you play as a little, little samurai that dashes around a stage. He's kind of like Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, mm. where if you you basically have to get through the level in one try. Uh, and if you get killed, you go right back to the start. And you have to do it all over again. Mm-hmm. And your dude's like, 
that's not how it would have happened. I would have done it this way. And then you have to keep trying. It's kind of like puzzle solving in that you have to take out guys methodically. A bit like Hotline Miami was. Yeah. I never played Hotline, Hotline Miami, but I was getting that definite vibe from it. That's... The aesthetic was very similar, but uh, this just kind of spoke to me because you played as a samurai dude. I, I like samurais. I could see the DNA of Katana yeah. Zero. And yes, it was Hotline Miami. It was super hot. And it was Shank or Mark of the Ninja. Had a bit of Super Meat Boy in there as well. Bit Super Meat Boy. Like, yeah. you can see all these, like, threads. And it was just... It, I think I think it's... I do need to play it because I think the game feel looks brilliant. But, mm. yeah, it, I can see all these different threads it's been pulling from. And, oh, it's made a wonderful trifle of a game. Uh, it's, it's lovely. It's a good game. But I played it, again, not played it for a little while. This is one of my highlights from the previous, like, year. Mm. <laughs> so it's not entirely fresh in my memory. But I wanted to give it a little shout-out on the pod. Yeah. You're like, well done, Katana Zero, you did it. Yeah. Listen to that soundtrack every day. I listen to the soundtrack. It's banging. It's wicked. I love yeah, it. It's a good All soundtrack. Right. Uh, another game with a great soundtrack, another indie game with a good soundtrack, is uh, Untitled Goose Game. I've been playing. <laughs> I know nothing about this game, but other than... And I probably shouldn't tell you anything about it. Oh, really? Other than uh, it's it's just a, it's a good couple hours of just mischief. Mischief. Yeah, you're just a little, you're a mischievous little goose that goes around a village stealing things, and it's just, it's How, just funny. Um, what was that goat game? Goat Simulator. Goat. So it's not really anything like Goat Simulator. Okay. As where Goat Simulator was kind of like a a spoof on kind of Steam games where people just flip assets and make really buggy games that don't work. Yeah. But, and. Goat Simulator turned into something amazing where it's like our game's buggy as hell and doesn't really work. However, that's the beauty of it. You're just a just a mad goat smashing about a city. Whereas in Untitled Goose Game, you're a sneaky little goose hides in bushes, steals people's hats. It's just uh, it's just fun. It's just charming. Mm. It's very charming. It's set in like an old English village. It's got quite a hot fuzz feel about it. Oh yeah, it's just it's just nice. Just I like it. I like a game with a bit of charm. Yeah, and it's like... it. So people have criticised it because it's like there's not much to it. It doesn't, yeah. like... You can't really go anywhere from the origin, from the main concept. But it's a game that only lasts, like, a couple of hours. And it's not... Like, it's just... It is what it is, you know? I can't really criticise it for just being a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Because it's just... Not, it's just cool. Uh, it has a good soundtrack. It's quite... It's, like, contextual. So it's, there's no music until someone starts chasing you and then it's just like mad piano music uh yeah and there's nothing like just a really comedically well-timed just little honk <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just it's fun do you know what it is it's the kind of game that your girlfriend would like it's one of those indie games do you know what i mean yes. do you know exactly what i'm talking about I, I know i know what you're talking about but like because my fiance does not like video games mm-hmm. but she loves her some goose game it's one of those games. That's interesting. That is... I think there's a definite genre, Octodad being one of those too. Mm. Where it's just it's just, it's just, just something completely different from any game you've played before. Mm. And you can give it to someone who... Not even necessarily girlfriend. You can give it to someone who's never played games before. And they're just like, oh, I get this. This is charming. It's not, it's not Super Mario. It's not Sonic. You're just a weird goose. I think this is perhaps what you've highlighted there is a larger thing. Because there is... There's a certain level of gaminess that all games have in common, you know? Uh-huh. 
And I, it, there is something like that that just doesn't trigger in people's bl- brains. Uh-huh. But then when you have stuff like Goose Simulator or Goat Simulator or Goose Simulator, Untitled Goose, Untitled Goose, Game. Goose Game or Goat Simulator or Octodad, these interesting, charming games, they don't all have the trappings of like a game. So I think they appeal to people who aren't game people. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a better way of sort of um, typifying it. Yeah. I just liked the, the. Uh, I just thought it was a good phrase. A game your girlfriend would like, because I think that's you could you could do a little box set of indie games. I think <laughs> under that title, there could be like a humble bundle of games your girlfriend would like. Yeah. Do you not? Do you not think? I mean, am I being incredibly like? Am I going to get banned from the internet for saying this? Uh you're not going to get banned from the internet, but I would say it's. Uh, I get doxed. I'm <laughs> I'm going to say that's uh, an almost not woke out of 10. Okay. Yeah, but uh, on a scale of of woke to Jeremy Clarkson, where do I sit? Uh, on, on, the, on the Clarkson to woke spectrum, I would say you're... Um, a Richard Hammond? <laughs> uh, I would say, yeah, yeah, you're Richard Hammond on that. Maybe a bit more. Yeah, I just... No, I'm... I'm I'm sticking by it. <laughs> uh, you know what? It, you stick to your guns. That's right. fine. I'm going to stick to my guns. I mean, what I do. I've got integrity. You are you are the one who uh, is more keen to say controversial stuff on this uh, this podcast. Yeah, but like, I wasn't trying to be controversial. I was just I wasn't, didn't want to make a big thing about it. I think we've made more of it. Made more of it than there is. Made a mountain out of a molehill. We certainly have. Um, Speaking of molehills, yes, I've been playing mole simulator. <laughs> <laughs> like to do... Uh, yeah, you talk about something. Uh, well, I could talk about a, a game that I was playing earlier, um, not earlier today, but I went back to Enter the Gungeon. Oh, yeah? Gave gave that a good old crack. Never played it. They're making an arcade cabinet out of it. Uh, yeah, so I've seen, um, and it was one of these games I went back to it, you know, knocked, it knocked, knocked the arse out of it, more or less, and I got bored of it very quickly. <laughs> Is it one of those... Well, is it like a twin stick shooter? It's this twin stick shooter, and the thing is, I played it a lot when I first played it. Yeah. So it was one of those, like, got in, scratched the itch, then I was like, oh, well, I'm done with this now. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was one of those. Devolver? Um, Devolver, Devolver Digital. Digital. They're good. Uh, they're, they're good boys. It seems to be a pretty solid studio. Mm. I'll be disappointed when they get caught up in some controversy. God, probably. they all seem to, don't they? Uh, but Devolver seem fairly on the level. Yeah. I'd like to do some follow-up. On something we discussed in a previous podcast, we what memory? We might have even made this a topic of the episode. I can't quite remember, but Headlopper Volume Two, The Crimson Tower. Oh yeah, Headlopper. That was one of our big in our in our last series. I'm going to call this a new series. In our last series, we were really big into Headlopper. We talked about Headlopper and the works of Andrew Andrew McLean. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at those books just now. They're on on the shelf in the old. We're still in the old book club seg- mm. segment. Uh, yeah, god damn, I'd forgotten that came because Headlopper Three's out now. I've uh, that must have been recent because I didn't even notice. Uh, September, I think it came out. There we are. Should we talk about Headlopper Two though? Uh, let me just have a flip through and just try and remember what happened. <laughs> oh my god! Oh yeah, no, this one. Yeah, this is a good one. Oh boy. Yeah, nah. Great artwork. Cute little guy. Big robot. There's an undead man in the- Yeah, this was a good one. <laughs> That's all going in. <laughs> Please no. That could be my review. 
Um, yes, so I, I just found it brilliant. I found it an excellent sequel, and I'm just excited to delve more into the Headlopper series. I think it's a great art style. I think it's like big characters, just good story, good fantasy. Enjoy it. Yeah, really good, just adventure stories. Yeah. Each uh, each volume is is his is is one adventure mm-hmm. of his, and this leads on directly from the first book. I think the first book ends with him going off to sea, and the second book starts with him having arrived at a new place. Yep. Meeting up with an old friend, and they just get caught up in some magic temple shit. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm just... They're big, bombastic stories. Very much on board. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm totally here for it. Andrew, Andrew McLean's a, he's just a visual visual wizard. A, a wizard, if you will. I, I have to say, I just really like that sort of... It's this art style that's like Headlopper, obviously. Um, Andrew McLean's other work. Aria, not Aria. Apocalyptic Girl. Apocalyptic Girl. Did you know... He's making a second apocalyptic girl. Oh, Patch, you teased me. Follow him on Instagram oh, if you don't already. Uh, I'm oh, uh, Patch. I'm not a social media guy. Um, so you're not on, on old Instagram apocalyptic uh, Instagram. I'm not. I've really vaulted my life out. Okay. <laughs> like I'm I'm deep underground now. Um. Yeah. Oh, that's that's great. But I really like that sort of aesthetic, like um, adventure timing as well. Regular show that sort of like. Sim- very simple, like cartoony, minimalistic, minimalistic. Big into it. I think it's. I think it's really great. Really great art style. Amazing, good stuff. No, good call, man. I totally forgot that had happened. I mm. read it ages ago. Uh, but yeah, no, I follow the. I follow the dude on Instagram, and he's always posting about just cool artwork that he's done. <laughs> yeah. I'm really jealous. Um, I'll check it out. I, I will check it out. Mm. Um, but I'm glad to talk about it. You had any comics uh, recently? Um, comics. Nah, man, I've been a lot more literate recently. Mm. Um, I can't believe you've managed that. Uh, did you learn to read during the Thanos night? Thanos taught me how to read. <laughs> He's a complex character. <laughs> he taught me to read. It was really good. Um, let me. But then I squandered that gift and got an Audible subscription. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what have I been... Uh, yeah, no, I've... You know what? TV series is coming out soon. Based on his Dark Materials, the Ooh. Philip Pullman series. Yeah. Uh, so I dove straight into Northern Lights, the first book, mm-hmm. on Audible. Gotta say, it's pretty good. Gotta say, voice act, voice acting, not so good. Ooh. Really put me off the whole series. I don't know if there's a version on Audible where it's just Philip Pullman reading it. Because the version that's on Audible, like, credit to them, they went all out. They made essentially like a radio play. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's Philip Pullman reading the book and different actors doing the voices oh dear but the but the the woman who does lyra's voice just like i just i, I can't I can't because it's very just high pitched it's like oh pantaliman where are we going now oh where's lee scarf and it's like oh sh- calm calm down and it's like i love yorick bernison i need to find my father it's like <laughs> because it's this is all next to philip pullman's very calm like and then Lee Scosby went on his airship and flew away. And Lyra had a lovely time with Pantalaimon and Yorick Bernison. And oh my god! And it's, oh. it's like, I lo- it's a great story. I love it. I, I can't wait to hear more. I just kind of wish there was a version where it was only Philip Pullman reading it. I'm looking forward to that TV series, though. It looks good. I've had thoughts about that TV series. What are your thoughts? Well, it's actually led to 
greater thoughts about media in general. Are, are your thoughts uh, not my least Scoresby? Hashtag not my least Scoresby. <laughs> Sam Elliott was the best one. Um, well, the whole the whole advertising push of um, what was so this girl was meant to be special. This person was going to change the world, right? Yes. I am becoming more and more. I am finding individualist storytelling grating. Oh, about like people being the chosen one? The chosen one. This one person is special. Because I, I believe it sort of breeds into a sort of modern narcissism. That people are like, oh, this is good because I can use that as an allegory for how special I am. And mm. I, I find this kind of story just one-dimensional and boring. I, I think what's much better is when you have lots of characters who are all special and all interesting. Yeah. It's not just... There's not just like what like this whole Harry Potter bullshit. Of course, all of the characters were interesting, but oh god, it's one special boy, and it just like people buy into it because it allows them to feel like they're special. And it's like I don't think that's a good way of viewing the world. I don't think that's a good way of writing media. No, I agree. Actually, that's kind of what put me off reading any more than three Harry Potter books. Mm. I just, I mean, mainly I don't like the character of Harry Potter. And I don't like that he's a chosen one. What I will go back to the Red Rising trilogy, that's part of what makes it excellent, mm. is that uh, Darrow, the main character, he was just chosen just out of circumstance. He was executed by the Golds and then just brought back to life by the Sons of Ares. Um, what do you call it? His heart is a little bit stronger than the average Red because he got bit by a viper when he was a child and the blood kind of like messed like the, the the venom kind of messed with his blood and kind of gave him just a bit of a stronger heart. That's, That's definitely how snake bites work. Well, it's, it's science fiction. I, I'm not also not explaining it correctly, but it's always like you've got you've got pit viper blood in you. <laughs> the guy who narrates it is Irish, and it does does really? put you in that revolutionary mode of being like, yes, <laughs> yeah, fuck the golds, yeah, <laughs> fight Darrow, son of Ares. It's us. Can't. I might, I might give that a blast just because the audiobook. Yeah, the audio, yeah, Red Rising, fantastic. Anyways, so what I love about that series is that there's not, re- they're not really a chosen one. Mm. It's just right place, right time, right man for the job. Just and everyone around him just excels at just. They're just good at what they do. Yeah, they're just good at what they do, and they fuck shit up. They get the job done. They get messed around a wee bit. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I believe. Um, Human beings, I think, is I, what I like to read about. Yeah, man, and like this really, this really hit me when I was watching Cowboy Bebop for the first time quite recently. Oh yeah. So I watched through Cowboy Bebop, and I was like, "They're all losers. These characters are losers. <laughs> yeah, just, I love them. I love like, them all. They're all losers, but they're all awesome, mm-hmm. and they're all really cool, and they're all tallied and failed in their own way, and they're." There is obviously a titular... Well, not titular. There is a a protagonist, you know? Yeah. There is a character who we follow the story of, but he is just one character. He's no more important or less important or special than any of the other characters. And they're not even special in the grand scheme of things. They are just a bunch of losers. Yeah. And it's like, I just find this story a lot more compelling than the whole Chosen One stuff. Just not into it. Actually... 
Oh God, another piece of media that highlights this brilliantly is Hollow Knight. Okay. I I, I think that was my game of the year at one yeah, point. Yeah, you, you you love Hollow Knight. That's, I, that's your thing. God, like even thinking about it now. But mm. the character, the, the protagonist of Hollow Knight isn't even a titular character. The Hollow Knight is the... It's the boss at the end. Okay. Your character is, or the character you play, is just one of many. Um, it's just that you're the one that happens to be alive and you're the one that happens to, you know, fulfill the plot. Yeah. And I just find this, I just find this way more compelling. I just, I mean, maybe this is me because, you know, I'm so deeply just one with the human condition. You're just definitely not I'm, a chosen I'm, one. I'm definitely not a chosen one. Just I'm, a bit better. I'm chosen to not be the chosen <laughs> You're just the most grey muggle. <laughs> just <laughs> muggle and proud, baby. <laughs> uh, no, you're not. You're, you're, you're a chosen one to me. Oh, thank fellow. you. Fellow. You're chosen to... I chose you to live in this vault. This fucking vault. <laughs> Jesus. I could have picked anyone. <laughs> well, you could. We were the only ones left. That's true. It was between you and that possum and... She she was scary. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. So that was a uh, quite a little segue on the old Northern Lights. We we did we segued it up. Yeah, the old classic segue. Anyway, so the the Northern Lights uh, TV series is coming. I think the, uh, his Dark Materials. I think the series is going to be called, but, yeah. which is the title of the series. Looking forward to watching it because it means I won't have to listen to uh, Lyra Belasquez screeching down my <laughs> earphones, at me, which was great. Anything else to talk about? How we've been recording for about an hour, so we're coming up on probably nearing the end of our pod. So I think we should probably do the topic of the podcast. Yeah. By the way, I hate saying pod. It sounds like such a wanker. Yeah, you're the one that's been saying it. I know. I just I can't stop it. Stop it. I I gotta just s- stop it. Like I didn't want to call you out on it, but it does make you sound like a grade yeah. A turd. Hey, the pod. Uh, yeah. No. I, so yeah, I'm excited that the podcast is back. A bit more rambly, I feel, than probably they used to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's just good to be uh, just just a chill, just getting back in the swing of things. It's because I've not been like laying down a law, beating you down. <laughs> I don't like it when you do that. I've been very happy. Uh, <laughs> well, yes. So, topic of the week, eh? Yes. Let's do it. Let's get into it. Controversial uh, one. Again, I mean, it's been it's been around for a little while, but again, we're catching up. We've been gone. Uh, Joker. We both saw Joker. Uh, big movie of the moment, I think. It is, uh, it is. Since it came out, there's not really been much else out. Doctor Sleep came out. Let's not talk about... In fact, okay, before we go into the Joker, let's talk about Doctor Sleep. I mean, I've seen it. Did you see it? I've not seen it. But you know whose films I've seen? Mike fucking Flanagan. Uh, did he, he make Doctor Sleep? He made Doctor Sleep. You know what else he made? Ha- Haunting of Hill House. Okay. And oh, the made, Netflix one. Yeah, and he made Gerald's Game. I don't know what Netflix one. Stephen King as well, and these the both of these Haunting of Hill House is a remake of a previous older um, film, I believe. Yeah. Um, made into a Netflix TV series, and Gerald's Game is a the first film made of a Stephen King book. Now both of these are massively well reviewed online, uh-huh. and they are garbage. Like. I mean, obviously, you know, I can't speak with complete authority. I realise a lot of people know better than me, but there are scenes that are just objectively bad in okay. 
haunting of Hill House, where lots of characters talk over each other. There's melodrama. It's not done effectively. The acting is not believable. Mm. Um, in Gerald's game, the same the same sort of problems occur, and he uses the same actors with the same issues. Okay. Um, I'm just not sold on Mike Flanagan, and I can see when he releases Doctor Sleep that it is going to get f- critically panned, and everyone's massive big wet boner over Mike fucking Flanagan is going to go flaccid finally. Um, <laughs> you really got it out for this Flanagan film. <laughs> That's because this guy, right? So I've watched Haunting of Hill House and I, I was just like, right, okay, I'm going to see this through. I'm going to see it through. I saw it through and I want those, I want those hours back. Fair I enough. I want them back. And then I was like... Uh, I looked up. Oh, what am I going to watch on Netflix? Saw Gerald's Game. You know, it's uh, it's a Stephen King. This is well reviewed. I'm going to get stuck into it. Fucking Mike Flanagan, <laughs> stealing my hours again, <laughs> coming in my life, pinching hours from my life, shortening it with his shitty, shitty media that everyone says is great. And also, it was like, am I going mad here? Am I losing my mind? Why does the internet love this? It's terrible. It's really bad. Good evening, Robin. It is I, Mike Flanagan. <laughs> my, my nemesis. Here to steal your hours again. <laughs> Suck like, away hours from your life. Honestly, like, and I, it, it makes me feel like, am I the mad one? Do, do you ever get this? Um, um, it made me feel like, am I mental? Am I off my head? I th- certainly think I felt like that before, but I can't put a finger on where... Um, in fact, maybe it was when everyone was going mad for Harry Potter when we mm. were teenagers, and I was like, what? But it, honestly, this guy, I can't believe he's going to be the spiritual successor to fucking Kubrick. People saying that? He's, he's making a sequel to The Shining. Well, I mean... Not a sequel, well... Well, it is, it is a sequel to The Shining. It's a direct sequel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh, Ewan McGregor, my boy Ewan McGregor. Mm. Uh, gargoyle, his, his... famous gargoyle acolyte. Uh famous gargoyle protector Ewan McGregor uh, is playing the little boy mm. but only grown up he's not, he's not playing the little boy he's playing an older version <laughs> That'd be some of the strange little boy. casting fucking McGregor's coming back as Obi-Wan Kenobi I don't know if you know about that oh I did not know Ooh. that it's finally happening the internet works people the internet works hold on he's coming back as Obi-Wan oh yeah yeah Disney Plus have been like fine you want McGregor back as Obi-Wan Kenobi fine we'll do a Disney Plus series about him there you go that's pretty cool and I bet just out of spite they're gonna make it shit (laughs) (laughs) maybe they'll get Mike Flanagan to direct it oh flannel (laughs) fucking flannel the flannel can we have just a a new uh, each episode just Flanagan watch you can just have a little (laughs) I'll just I'll look up news about Mike Flanagan you know what I I feel like when I watched Haunting of Hill House and um, Gerald's Game. I was snapped out of existence by Flanos. That's what happened nice. to me. Nice. And God. Nemesis. Okay. Nemesis. I am Captain America and Flanos. <laughs> Flanos. Okay. I'm, well, I'll just... Um, I mean, I won't be your bucky or anything. I don't really have a horse in this race, but... Uh, Maybe I'll watch Haunting of Hill House. I've been in the mood for some good spooks recently. Please do, and and, and we can we can talk about it more. Yeah. Um, and you won't just have my vitriol against this man who you've never met nor consumed any of his media. Yeah, I've been watching. I've been in the mood for some good spookums. So I've been watching playthroughs of like scary games and went back to PT. Like I've not played it, but watching that on YouTube, it's just I'm in the mood for a scare. Reader beware. But um, look, Mike, if you're listening. 
I realise this is coming across quite harsh, but I just, I just, I just want to know why. Why did you take those hours from me? I, I didn't do anything to you. Who hurt you, man? Oh, you know, it's something I've missed during the Thanos snap. Beefsteak brew. And the first sponsor we've been given since the Thanos snap is everyone on the wasteland's favourite beverage, beefsteak brew. Beefsteak brew. Um, I've missed, I mean, I'd say I missed it. Uh, hardly any time passed for us, but I mean, what would have made the transition a lot easier would be a nice... Man, it goes down so well. That beefsteak brew. Mm, I've been drinking their plutonium pil- pilsner. I've been drinking their plutonium pilsner. Um, it, it, I, I feel pretty weird now. I'm very warm. Mm, I mean, yeah, part of our part of their brew seventy six pack. Once a month, they'll send you seventy six of their finest brews in a big. In a big tin, all collected in a big tin together, you drink them all at once. None of them fully finished, um, but they promise that over time they will actually finish the beers that they originally sent you. They just gotta rush those beers out. Yeah, you just gotta get them out. For 100 Funko Pops a month. Thanks to our sponsor, Warlord Beefsteak, for. Oh, Beefsteak, bro! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about Joker now. <laughs> that was quite the segue. Uh, so Joker has been and gone. I think it might be at cinemas now. Mm-hmm. So if you've not seen it yet, sorry, bud. Should have went to Venice to watch it with everyone else who was going crazy over it. Uh, I liked it. I liked it. Yeah, it's a good movie. Good old... Just... just. Um, yeah, I feel everything that there is to say about Joker has been said already. However, it's our topic of the week. So let's talk about it. So let's it. just... just Put our two pennies in there. You know what I have to say? There was all this controversy. People have said, oh, it's the taxi driver of our time. It's the fight club of our time. It's a, it's the best film in the world. And other people have been saying, oh, it's gritty and boring and brutal. And I just think, you know what? It's just a well-made film. It's a very well-made film. It's a well-made film. Yeah. Joaquin Phoenix can act the crap out of anything yeah, boy can act. Boy can act. And you know what? It's just an interesting origin story of an interesting character played by a very good actor. Yeah, it's a good take on the Joker story. Yep. Um, story we've not really had before mm-hmm. on on the big screen, apart from Jack Nicholson's origin. I don't necessarily feel it has to connect up with the the upcoming... Robert Pattinson Batman in any way I think this can just be his own little thing and maybe when Robert Pattinson gets his own Joker it won't be Joaquin Phoenix and it could also be a very good Joker but uh, I think people are clamouring now for more of Joaquin Phoenix's Joker Mm. which I understand because it's very very good I just don't understand how DC can fit it into the Batman timeline Mm. we're going into spoilers by the way Oh, I get to do this. First time for a few years. Spoiler alert! We're going into spoiler territory for the Joker. Uh, you see Bruce Wayne as a little boy. We do. A little baby boy. He just stands there and watches thing ha- things happen. And I'm like, Batman, do something! <laughs> Why are you just standing there and letting the Joker play with your face? Um, 
Yes, so uh, I wonder how if we were to bring this into the new Batman continuity, would Arthur Fleck be an old man? Because Batman would at least need to be 23, 21, in his early 20s to be like year one Batman. Well, I mean, the thing is, he'd ha- I mean, the Joker would be about what, in his 50s? He'd still be a villain in that age. Yeah, he could still be a 50 year old villain. Yeah, okay. Big yeah. time. It's yeah. still effective. Um, I'm very glad that they're not actually brothers. Well, it's good because that actually kind of... Because he has this identity crisis in himself, he he doesn't know if his mum's lying or telling the truth. He doesn't know what's really yeah. real. So that actually feeds into the idea that the Joker just does lie. He doesn't know what his yeah. real origin is. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, that was a clever way of doing it. Yeah. But, yeah, as I say, I, yeah, I think it's it was a very interesting way to introduce the idea of the Waynes and their impact on Gotham. Yeah. Uh, because Bruce Wayne kind of deifies them in later life. He's mm-hmm. like, my parents were the perfect parents. They could do no wrong. They were going to help Gotham become a paradise where in reali- reality Thomas Wayne was maybe just a bit of an asshole. A bit of a cop. Which you see flashes. You see a little flash of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you see a little flash of Flashpoint Batman mm. in, in Thomas Wayne where he kind of is very protective of his family yeah. and gets very angry uh, punches Arthur Fleck in the face very hard and you're yeah. like that's Flashpoint Batman oh, the totally. one the one who keeps the one who keeps the gun that murdered his son in a little bell jar yeah. and who turns into a very violent version of Batman so yeah I was kind of like thinking oh interesting yeah, no. So I like that they kind of humanize Thomas Wayne a little bit, yeah. rather than just being like, "I'm the the philanthropic millionaire Thomas Wayne. I'm here to help the poor." Yeah. It was like, "No, I'm here to help the poor, but I'm also a human being. And if anyone tries to threaten my family, I'm going to punch them in the face in the bathroom." Well, is he there to help the poor? Well, that was the that's the big question, isn't it? I mean, he wanted to become the mayor of Gotham City, and he put the old. Uh, you know, he was like, well, I'm going to make it better for everyone. Mm. But would he have really done that? You know, politicians, man. I feel we could slip very easily into contemporary politics and like, you know what? There's enough podcasts we, about that. Yeah, I, I more and more just think that DC should focus on one shots. Yeah, I think so. That seems to be currently where their strength is. I think so. And what other one shots have they been? Uh, I mean, now that I've said that... Um, uh, no, I don't know. I just kind of pulled that phrase out of my But no, I think, honestly, with DC as a whole, I think, just comics as a whole, especially Batman comics, the one-shots are, do tend to be the ones that stand out. Yeah, like, uh, like the Arkham Asylum graphic novel is one of the best graphic novels I've ever read. Um, the I mean, Dark Knight Rises. Not The Dark Knight Rises, just The Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good one. I mean, for me, Superman Red Sun. Yeah, yeah, I've still to read that. You've told me about that before. Um, but yeah, I just... A Superman Red Sun film? Yes, please. Bring it. Just serve me that up on a plate. That's I'd love that. Bring Henry Cavill back as Superman? Yeah. Because I do love him. Mm. I do think he is like the Superman. If anyone, I think I honestly think... If anyone should play Superman, it should just be Henry Cavill all the time. <laughs> just all the time. He just looks like Superman. That's a bit. He just he's just got that look about him. A bit of a Superman look. He's a hunk. 
Is a hunk a hunk of burning man? Yes. So that Joker very good. People were worried that it would incite riots. Yeah, people thought that there'd be... I think this was leading on from Heath Ledger's Joker. There was like a killing in a cinema. Yeah, no, the, when the uh, the Dark Knight Rises came out, a guy shot up a cinema and he was, he was like, I am the Joker. And he's, uh, he just killed everyone. And I was like, well, you're a dick. Yeah, you're... People thought it would incite more of that because this is a very, like you said, quite a Fight Club style movie mm. where it kind of has a very uh, negative view on the world. Like, this is going to be a film that people, you know, quote in, quote on Facebook pictures yeah. quite a lot. They're going to take quotes from it and put it on Facebook and be like, man, the world sucks. Because the Joker told the director of The Hangover told me the world sucks. Uh, it's that kind of thing, you know? And it, it's just, This is one of the things that bothered me, because it's like, oh, it's such a deeply cynical view of the world. Is it? Yeah, because it's about a mental asshole. Yeah. The Joker's not a nice dude, right? Okay, Obviously, you know, there is sympathetic aspects of him. He is a mentally unstable person who's had his had his any any realm of mental stability pulled away by the lack of a welfare state. Yeah, but he's also a dick. Like, he's not a good man. This is a cynical view. And you're seeing the world through his perspective. Yeah. Um, just like Fight Club, you're seeing the world through... His perspective, just like Taxi Driver, seeing the world through his perspective. You know, it's not it's not a, 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 a an objective. This is the way the world is. It's like this is the way Gotham City, a fictional world, is in the nineteen eighties, <laughs> through the eyes of a fictional psychopath. Exactly. Do love that psychopath though. I think a very He's, good psychopath. Yeah, I'm very ready to see more of this Joker. Mm-hmm. Interested to see how he becomes scheming criminal mastermind Joker because he's a bit of a goof. Well, this is a. I don't. This is why I think it should be left alone. He shouldn't do more. Sure, absolutely valid thought. Because that would just change his character in yeah. a way that he shouldn't. I mean, this is kind of more of just a manic, violent Joker. Uh huh. And there's no mastermind, and that would make him. In order for him to be a mastermind, he would need to be controlled, and that would be very uninteresting to me. Yeah, I mean, people have said, and I noticed as well, once he came off his medication, he did seem more uh, composed. Yeah, yeah. And more uh, and uh, less erratic. He did, did seem more like the kind of person who could come up with, you know, a giant bomb or poison Gotham's water supply, but, like, you need the infrastructure. Yeah. The Joker, classic comic book Joker, has obviously got a lot of resources to use, where he's just one man. Well, this is actually what I thought when there's the scene at the end where, you know, he becomes the icon Uh of the disenfranchised. This is where he could get all his goons. Yeah, because people absolutely. are like, "You are, you're, you are the savior of the poor." This is how people would view him or do view him yeah. in Gotham. So that would give him this basically untapped resource of humans. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, although then again, the movie does end. He is in Arkham mm-hmm. uh, Asylum, uh, but does he escape? Looks like he was about to escape at the end there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think. I agree that probably better left alone from here, but I wouldn't complain if there was more. I'd be okay. I'd be interested to see what happens because you know what? If they reuse him and it's terrible, I've still got the original Joker film, which is fine. It's still there. Um, something I'm very glad about is it would have been a very easy move 
to make the therapist at the end have a little name tag that said Harley Quinn. Yeah, I am so glad they didn't. I'm very grateful. That oh they didn't. my god! Yeah. Do you imagine? And like, I, you see, when the scene started, I was like, "Don't, don't, don't do it! Don't this do is it!" Margot Robbie don't sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how does that make sense? <laughs> None of this makes sense. Although that would be kind of funny in its own right. Yeah, I mean, again, Mar- Margot Robbie is a very good Harley Quinn. I agree. Take actually. everything out of Suicide Squad, and you're just left with a very good Harley Quinn. I agree. Um, and they're making the Birds of Prey is going to be like essentially the Harley Quinn movie. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited to see it. Yeah, I'm interested. I wouldn't say I'm there for it. Well, which, but I, I, I'll, I'll go along. What What I hope is that they realize that Harley Quinn is just a very good, interesting character. Yeah, and they're going to they're going to uh, reflect on that more, describe it more, and make realize that character more. Yeah. Now, do I trust them to do that, or do I tr- do I think what they're actually going to do is just play up massively to the aesthetic of Harley Quinn, which every edgy edge lord has just attached themselves to? Yeah. Um, uh, because you know it's it's very there's a level of you know teenage angst and edginess that this Harley Quinn embodies. Mm. Um, and, and people really get on board with and are they just going to give more of that sort of um, very aesthetic action with no depth just to please that or are they going to actually go into this Harley Quinn character and describe her more and I kind of feel it'll be the former rather than the latter but I hold out hope and even if it is the former she's still a good Harley Quinn even given that yeah she's, she's great uh, I mean Margot Robbie just in general is just a very good actor yeah um, so I, you could give her anything and she just it was a terrible script she just acted the hell out of it agreed slight segue did you see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood I did Oof, oh boy that's, that's a good movie no that's a controversial movie yeah uh, we can maybe talk about that on the next episode perhaps I think the next series of episodes are just going to be like a catch up <laughs> I think so things that we've done uh, just so we kind of get our bearings hmm. uh, but yeah would you go outside for Joker of course. I During would those out. riots? Uh, I would go outside in the riots. It'd be fine. I'd put on a clown mask. It'd be no worries. Would you leave that cinema knowing full well there were riots going on outside? Um, <laughs> Take your wife and son? Down a back alley yeah. like a goddamn lunatic? Like a, like a dumb bastard. Like, come on, Thomas. Come on. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> come on, Eileen. <laughs> come on, Thomas. Your son is Batman. <laughs> <laughs> don't you, you need know to die so that he can become Batman <laughs> yeah I just just last thought about Joker I think he was genuinely going to kill himself on the TV show yeah. right up to the point where Robert De Niro made fun of him and he was like you know what I'm going to kill you instead yeah I think so too yeah which uh, if he had killed himself on the show would have been still a really good ending to the movie yeah you know um, but yeah could have gone both ways could have gone both ways, but it didn't. He shot De Niro straight in the face. Yeah, and it was just, just very graphic. <laughs> that whole that whole interview segment oh, was God, amazing. It was so intense, yeah, wasn't it? Like that's the thing. That's I think what people were worried about the film getting people riled up was because it was directed in so, and written in such a way where you do feel a bit like you're watching it and you're like, yeah. You were, I was a bit psyched up for a bit of rioting. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, do you know what I mean? It's one of those I films know, that I just know. makes you feel you're like, like a horror movie will make you feel a bit like scared. And watching James Bond makes you feel like a spy. Yeah, um, I agree. I was also, I think, I feel it was a deeply uncomfortable film. Yeah, it was an uncomfortable. Experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes, um, I would go outside. I would feel uncomfortable. I get stuck into the riots. Um, that's what I would do for the Joker. Wouldn't really. Uh, this is this is a turn of phrase. I wouldn't really riot because of the Joker. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm being metaphorical to describe how much I would like to watch this film. I mean, if you've li- if you've listened to our podcast before, you'll know that we either go outside if we like a thing because it's terrible out there. Mm-hmm. It's pretty rough. It's, so there's an apocalyptic wasteland. Would we risk our lives to go outside to watch the Joker, or are we going to stay in and just let it pass us by? I, for one, would go outside and step outside this vault to pick up a DVD of Joker when it comes out. Excellent. <laughs> Put yeah. on that clown mask, kicking over some bins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all I'd do: kick over a bin and run away giggling. <laughs> <laughs> you get what you fucking deserve. <laughs> And I think that's what most of the people who have attached their, uh, who use the Joker as some kind of symbol mm. for their discontent. That's what they'd actually do. Yeah. Kick a bin and run away. Kick a bin over, stub out their cigarette and throw it on the pavement rather than putting it in an ashtray. <laughs> Get what you fucking deserve. Yeah, the Joker would have done this. Fuck you, society. Oh, we live in a society. Do we? Yeah, well, not anymore. Oh. We live in an apocalyptic <laughs> wasteland. Uh, yeah, so we're gonna. I think we're gonna end the podcast there. That's been a good little comeback session. I think. I think it was. Yeah, uh, this is a soft reboot, if you will. A soft reboot. Yeah. Uh, our other episodes are, are. If you would like to hear more of this podcast, we uh, our older episodes are now on Anchor. I believe quite a decent podcast service. You can make your own podcast on there, uh, if you wish. Uh, but uh, listen to ours instead because they're really good just search for Don't Go Outside on Anchor uh, this new run of podcasts um, where are they going to be Robin what, what are you going to do we're going to continue on Anchor we're going to continue with the same keep popping them up on Anchor keep popping them up so cool. Um, you'll be able to look back in the history of this podcast and you'll be able to see our previous episodes I'd rep- I recommend dipping into a few of them, getting the feel of what we're trying to do. Yeah, so we're just going to make this make this a thing again. We're going to have a good old bash at the old podcast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Don't Go Outside. Email us at dgopodcast at hotmail.com. Um, you're going to have to divert all contact towards Patch because I'm more or less offline these days. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. There we go. Um, well... That's it, everybody. Don't go outside podcast. Don't go outside, everybody. Don't, don't. It's, it's terrible out there. There's Joker riots. And you don't <laughs> want to get swept up in the Joker riots. You might accidentally kill Bruce Wayne's parents. Or get shot in the face like De Niro. There's a man in clown face paint outside. Yeah, don't go outside or uh, some incel with a red nose might kick a bin. Ah, uh, we came full circle to the incels. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck him. Okay. So, or don't. <laughs> <laughs>